Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. In the world we live in now, it's impossible to imagine letting our young children walk the streets alone to a local store. But in the 80s, it was a common occurrence. On November 6th, 1984, a young girl was snatched off the streets and straight into the headlines after going to a local store to get her mother a bag of sugar. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On November 6th, 1984, on the day of the 1984 Melbourne Cup Day, a young girl living in Melbourne, Victoria, named Kylie Maria Antonia Mayberry, was sent to a local convenience store to pick up her mother a bag of sugar. She made her purchase around 5.30 p.m. and was seen carrying her bounty back in the direction of her home. When the clock struck six and Kylie was still not home, her mother and neighbor went out to see if she had gotten lost. That's when a woman approached them and said that she saw a girl being driven away in a white Holden station wagon and everything all at once went straight to the unthinkable. The next morning at around 12.45 a.m., a fire brigade electrician found the body of Kylie Mayberry in the gutter of Donald Street. According to the records, her body was not there when the street was searched at around 7.30 p.m., meaning she was dumped there sometime after her search had began. She had just turned six years old and was only in grade one of primary school. When news of her death made its way to the media, Kylie Mayberry became forever known as Cup Day Girl. An autopsy would later determine that Kylie was raped shortly after her abduction and showed signs of severe internal injuries, including vaginal trauma. She had diazepam in her system and, in the end, died from asphyxiation. As the news spread and the public reeled, police started to work up a list of suspects in her case. One of the first suspects was a man named John Moss, who was actually Kylie's grandfather, who ended up taking his life in 1985. Another was her uncle, Mark Maybury, who also ended his life while inside of a jail cell in 1987. He was later cleared of any involvement and was buried in the same cemetery as his niece. Time passed, suspects came and went, and then in the 1990s, Victorian police got a lead that led them straight to a man named Robert Arthur Selby Lowe. Now, Robert Lowe was no stranger to the police. In addition to having quite the criminal past with charges that varied from theft to indecent assault, the once well-respected salesman had kidnapped and murdered a six-year-old girl named Cherie Beasley. According to the reports, Cherie was reported missing on June 29, 1991, when a neighbor called her parents to say that she found Cherie's abandoned bike. Thinking at first that the young girl had wandered off to play, things soon turned dark when they failed to find her at any of her normal play places. 
It would take years to fully piece together what happened to Cherie, but eventually investigators learned that Robert Lowe had driven up beside the young girl in his blue Toyota Corolla hatchback, a company car, asked her if she wanted to come with him, and when she responded, no way, he got out and snatched her. Because he is a habitual liar, it's hard to know exactly what is truth and what is fiction. But police were eventually led to Cherie's decomposed remains, with Robert claiming she went with him willingly. That she freaked out when she realized he was not driving the route that she knew to take home. He pulled over to try and calm her down, and she started to choke. Panicked and realizing what it would look like if he took her to the hospital, he simply sat and watched her die. He then drove her to a place where he and his wife had gone pine coning and laid her to rest in a drain, claiming he removed her clothing and helmet because she wouldn't fit in the drain otherwise. In his version of events, it was all one big accident. However, a friend of Cherie's told a different story. According to them, Cherie was forced into the car and had in no way gone willingly. Then came Robert's confession to two fellow inmates that he abducted a young girl dumped her clothing because it was covered in semen, proudly boasted that he had cleaned out his car so well that there were no traces of blood, and that the young girl had choked to death during forced oral sex. He also said that after her murder, he learned a valuable lesson, to use some kind of sedative the next time. Sound familiar? Robert was eventually found guilty of kidnapping Cherie Beasley and was sentenced to 15 years, and later, charged with her murder and sentenced to life. While this seemed like a home-run lead, DNA profiling would later rule out Robert Lowe as Kylie's murderer. It seemed that they were back to square one. In 2014, the case was looked into yet again along with some other cold cases, and in June of 2016, a man named Gregory Keith Davies was arrested and charged with the murder and rape of Kylie Maybury. Now, Gregory wasn't necessarily a new suspect. Interviewed by police two days after Kylie's body was found, the now 74-year-old lived in the area at the time of the murder and drove a white Holden HQ station wagon. After giving police an alibi and without providing a DNA sample, Gregory was removed from the suspect list back in the 80s and went on with the rest of his life, which in hindsight might not have been the best idea considering Gregory had a criminal record that involved sex crimes against children. In 1968, he was placed on a three-year good behavior bond for larceny, fraud, and uttering. In 1970, he bludgeoned a teenage girl with a hammer with intentions to rape the young girl, and in 1971, was charged with attempted murder with intent to cause grievous bodily harm on a 14-year-old girl, but was acquitted on the basis of insanity and detained at the governor's pleasure. He was released on November 3rd, 1982, and was never asked to undergo any psychiatric treatment. Kylie was killed almost exactly two years later. And if that wasn't enough, apparently after the news of Kylie's rape and murder, several children came forward and told their parents that Gregory Davies had sexually assaulted him. But because the prosecution suggested it would be far too hard for the children to testify in court, the charges were later dropped completely. In June of 2016, after making a DNA match with the semen found on her clothing and genitals, Gregory Davies was charged with a false imprisonment, rape, and murder of Kylie Maybury. On May 29, 2017, he pleaded guilty 
and maintains that he cannot remember raping or murdering the young girl. Most, given the lies he told to police about his alibi more than 30 years before, deny these claims. While awaiting his sentencing, Gregory was attacked by a fellow inmate and suffered from some serious burns. On December 21st, 2017, Gregory was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum non-parole period of 28 years. He will be eligible for parole in 2045 when he is 101 years old. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on November 7th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.